Welcome into episode 12 of the Sources Say Podcast, a brand new addition to the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Happy to be joined once again by two of the best up-and-coming recruiting insiders in the game, Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. First off, Travis, how are you doing today, man? Doing fantastic. What about you guys? Well, David, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Great to be here again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are glad to have you both in again. We appreciate you taking the time every week to make sure our fans uh, know the, the latest and greatest with, with all things Kentucky basketball. Last week, we dedicated pretty much the majority of our show to Cade Cunningham and the crazy, craziness going on with his recruitment. We talked about all, the, all five schools that are technically still on his list, cut through the noise on some of those options, uh, broke down who we thought were the, the final two options in, in Kentucky and Oklahoma State, and we each made some kind of loose predictions, but you know, pretty, pretty much e- not educated guesses, but who, who we were feeling pretty, pretty strongly about going into the home stretch of his recruitment, uh, and then we went into our mailbag and answered several, several of those questions to close out the show. Um, and if you missed that, please go to the Sources Say feed on iTunes or Spotify and listen there. Download, subscribe uh, while you're at it. Please rate us five stars. Give us a positive review. Uh, we would definitely appreciate that. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode, I have to give a quick shout-out to our friends at BBN Vegas. The Big Blue Nation takes over Las Vegas this December when Kentucky basketball hits Sin City. The action tips with the Kentucky vs. Utah game – presented by UK Healthcare and Benefiting Coaches vs. Cancer on Wednesday, December 18th at T-Mobile Arena. BBN will have the opportunity to hit the links at the world-renowned Shadow Creek Golf Course on Friday, December 20th as part of Golf Blue Benefiting Coaches vs. Cancer. The Cats then take on uh, Utah in the CBS Sports Classic on Saturday, December 21st. It's going to be a lot of fun. Actually, I, I completely butchered that. It, they were taking on Ohio State in the second game, but Nonetheless, it's going to be an awesome time out in Vegas. We want you there. Uh, visit bbnvegas.com or follow on social media at BBN Las Vegas for full information, game tickets, hotel accommodations on the Las Vegas Strip. You name it, they have it for you. Go to there for all of your uh, travel, travel needs. Now, this week, um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Things are rather slow on the Cade Cunningham front. I know – uh, all of our, all of the Kentucky fans are dying to know the the when 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 is when is this decision going to come and whether or not Kentucky is going to be that final choice. So um, you know we're not going to be just throwing stuff at walls and, and hoping it sticks. We're 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 going to just tell you what we know. Uh, we're not going to dive too much into it because we don't want to um, put off any any false information. We just want we're. we're just going to make sure that it's only truth only truth information on this podcast. So just bear with us. Um, so we'll just get right, right into the Cade Cunningham situation. Uh, guys, there's a little bit of a national recruiting analyst battle right now uh, that's, that's going on with, with Cade Cunningham. Evan Daniels and Jerry Meyer are pretty much – they're going all in on their Kentucky picks for Cade. And Corey Evans and, and Andrew Slater have been pretty adamant that, that Oklahoma State will be the final pick. Um, Evan Daniels actually doubled down this week on his Kentucky pick, went as far as to say that he thought he knew – that Cade knew what he wanted to do and was just hoping to work on a, on a final decision date. Um, so, guys, 
real quickly, I want to, you know, Travis, we'll start with you. What are your first overall impressions <clears throat> of the the national recruiting battle with the with the national analyst, and uh, who who do you think will win out between the the, the the heavy hitters? I don't pick favorites between national analysts, and I also don't tell anything that like a particular person picks. I go off what I hear. Not I don't look and say, oh, Evan Evan Daniels, Corey Evans, Andrew Slater. Eric Bossy, so and so, put in a pick. Jerry Meyer, I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna go put one in too. No, I go off of, I put in picks and make predictions based off what I hear. But it's gonna be interesting. There's gonna be a lot of crow eating because this is one of the biggest recruitments in recent memory. And like, either somebody's gonna have to change last minute or they're just gonna have to dial on whatever hill they're on. But the latest I've heard, I haven't heard anything new recently. Actually, the Last I heard was a week or so ago, a week or two ago, and it was talked about on this podcast. Um, all the people I still talk to, nothing's changed. So that's a really good thing if you're a Kentucky fan. Um, we're kind of in a holding pattern right now. If you're hearing – this isn't a situation where you're going to hear new info leaking every day because if you do, it's all BS. This is something that they're a tight circle. Um, you're not going to hear anything really until – Probably they announce a decision, a decision date. David, I I know last week, uh, Travis and I were feeling pretty confident about Kentucky's chances, and and we were, uh, we weren't saying that it was a done deal by any means, but we were thinking if a decision happened right now, uh, it would one hundred percent be Kentucky. You were the one, the the you were the one person that didn't want to go all in on that. Um, First, what are what are your thoughts on the uh, national recruiting expert battle? And secondly, ha- has your mind changed at all on uh, on your prediction? It's interesting on sources because I, I know a lot of times um, you'll hear one analyst say something, and then you'll hear another national analyst say something. Now, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's been players before that. That uh, and I talk to Corey Evans a lot. That's a guy I lean on quite a bit, uh, and I don't go lie about it. Um, but Corey and uh, Evan Daniels might be saying some of the same things, and I know for a surety, for certain, that they didn't get it from the same source. So you know, sometimes it works that way, and then sometimes you just hear different things from different sources, and that's kind of how this one goes um I, I will say this i would like to clarify one thing because Corey was on house of blue the other night he put on a post and he doesn't run from things and uh i believe i i, I read afterwards some people on, on the board say that they were kind of felt better about that he, he kind of clarified because Corey right now is is saying uh he, he's not doubling down to oklahoma state he's he's leaned that way and you know obviously with his brother there that looks like an advantage but he said i'm waiting to hear something you know in concrete that would make me switch to pick and until i do that you know i'm staying oklahoma state right now so you know he has he hasn't gone so far to say hey i'm going the Cowboys and there's nothing that can make me change my mind. He just, and he and I have spoken about it privately and he's just said, Hey, I've not heard anything yet 
that I can hang my hat on that would make me say, okay, well, without a shadow of a doubt, it's Kentucky. Because if he has to change his pick, you know, it's something that he's going to have to be all in on. Yeah, and and you you, you bring up a good point with uh, I think it's I think it's the the Cowboys, and I'm not backing down at all because while Corey's not doing that, there's one individual that absolutely is, and that's Andrew Slater. Uh, in fact, I think right after we recorded last week, he posted on Twitter um, somebody somebody kind of tweeted at him and said, uh, when are you going to change your crystal ball for, for Kentucky? Uh, or, you know, is that changing anytime soon? And he kind of responded, uh, now while Kentucky's done a phenomenal job recruiting him and, and they are a blue blood school, uh, don't, be, don't bet against the Cowboys on this one. Kind of, he, he doubled down or that might've been even been a triple down at that point. He is all in on Oklahoma state. So yeah, it, I do think Kentucky fans should feel a lot better with, with Corey Evans at least, um, you know, because he is one of those guys that doesn't like to just go with the wind and, and change his mind just because that's what the, 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 you know, that's the flavor of the day. He's not going to, you know, when the North Carolina stuff hit, he touched on it, said, yes, we should acknowledge that North Carolina is making a, a decent push, but he was not going w- willing to go all in and say that that he was North Carolina to lose. Lose. He still he liked his information with what what he heard from Oklahoma State, and uh, he he was willing to stay with it. So it, it it is good news at least that he said. I, I believe his exact words were something um, something along the lines of Kentucky and, and Oklahoma State are now head and head or neck and neck or something like that. So um, that's definitely good news on that front for sir or for certain. So. In terms of Evan Daniels, I know he didn't make his prediction based on what Kentucky was feeling because, um, as we mentioned on the show, Kentucky the, the Kentucky coaching staff is is always so overly optimistic with just about everything. Um, they'll it, it'll be you know right before another uh, another recruit will pick somewhere else and they'll they'll feel pretty strongly about it and and think they can pull through at the last second and, and come out on top. So. You kind of have to take what the, what they think and what they say with a grain of salt because they are they, they are mostly optimistic. So for Evan to come out and say that his stuff came more so on on Oklahoma State side, that's definitely something to look into. Um, in terms of of what I know, I a decision last week we we kind of touched on it. A decision was not going to be made on on. I believe we recorded on Tuesday. There were rumors that it was going to happen on Tuesday. There were rumors that it was going to happen on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this weekend. There were, there, it seemed like every other person had their own thoughts on on when it was going to happen, and none of them ended up com- coming out. We even said uh, it would be a massive shock if he just randomly went out of nowhere and said that a decision was going to happen. But we were willing to go all in and say that um, it wouldn't shock us that if a decision did be- – did come sooner rather than later in terms of in, in the next week or two. Um, I believe Evan actually said in a post that he thinks that Cade knows what he wants to do. It's just about coming up with a decision date that would fall in line with the early signing period, whether he wants to announce in front of his friends and family at, um, you know, the Duncanville, the, the Duncanville tournament that we talked about on this, on the show in the past. So I think that it's it, right now it's just a waiting game. We need to wait and, and see uh, where you know if he wants to re- announce on ESPN, if he wants to announce on a public setting like a tournament or something, so that is that is the next step. But yes, he they it is 100% decision time. The reason why it is so quiet right now is because he is kind of 
you know, closed off all of the outside uh, outside noise. He's sitting down with his family. He's talking to them on the phone, uh, and and he's ready to get down to the nitty gritty of this of, of this decision and um, make sure this happens in the coming weeks. So I still feel uh, pretty strongly about Kentucky. I, I think it, I'd probably go um, seventy thirty, maybe sixty five thirty five right now. Um, are are you guys willing to change your your personal predictions, Travis? Has yours changed at all? No, I'd I'd say the percentages are about the same as yours. And like I said before, it's going to take something concrete that I hear for me to change my opinion. It's going to have to be something that just screams Oklahoma State to me, and not just a regular smoke screen. David, g- give me your your final pre decision announce pre decision announcement prediction. Is this my final one? Well, <laughs> you, you, hey, why don't you just, I mean, you know something. If it's our final one, because we'll be on again next week, you know something the rest of us don't know. No, 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 no. Just go ahead and me. He's going to announce tonight. Go ne- ahead next week, if, <laughs> if at this time he says, I'm going to be setting an announcement or I'll be announcing on, say, November 10th or whatever it is. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just making up, making up dates. Um, I'm just saying, as of right now, if if a decision were were to be today, what give me your give me your percentage of either way? I'm going to go uh, about probably sixty forty Kentucky, fifty five forty five, sixty forty Kentucky. Um, but but I, I do think as this thing goes before he announces, there's always. Not necessarily leaks, but th- th- there's usually some clues that are dropped or, or, or somebody says something or something happens and people can really kind of read between the lines. And it almost always happens. And no matter how good Cade and, and his family are at, at, at kind of, you know, keeping us all waiting, um, I, I think something will break loose and kind of give us all some ideas uh one thing because i i don't know how much farther we're going to go with the k deal so i'll i'll say this now uh and i have uh, i mentioned it last night on the board i thought it was board worthy to put it on um i spoke with a college coach last night over another situation and uh this school is not recruiting um um Cade. so i just kind of asked him you know what are you hearing about the the Cade Cunningham situation and he told me he said you know it, it just would not make sense for Cade Cunningham to go to Kentucky excuse me for Cade Cunningham to go to Oklahoma State I'm sorry it would not make sense for Cade Cunningham to go to Oklahoma State let me reiterate that so it's clear yep. and I said well, why not and he said well his brother's there he says number one he said I just don't understand why you would if your brother was there why you would leave him hanging like that and not go ahead and do it. And he said, look, the Oklahoma state attraction besides the family is going to be, can they put a talent around him? Because you just, you don't want to go there and play if if there's not a whole lot around him. Can you do that? And he said, this is not, if you're waiting and waiting and waiting, this is not the way to build a class around him. He said, you think about the players who have already went off the board that might have gone to Oklahoma State if they knew for certain that he was going there. So I, I thought that was, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty good point to be made. And and so it looks to me like the longer 
this thing goes. We were kind of wanting it to get done after the official visit to Kentucky, but his take was, hey, the longer this thing goes, the better it is for, you know, the better it is for, for Kentucky. And, man, if this thing goes up to, like we talked about, Thanksgiving, I mean, that's right at another month, almost exactly. So, you know, you're already past early signing period. So, that, um, to me, that hurts Oklahoma State a lot more than it hurts Kentucky. Yeah, I, I think that is a phenomenal point because I'm looking at the – the list of 2020 top recruits right now, and you go down the list, and it is slim pickings at this point in terms of in terms of realistic Oklahoma State targets. I mean, you have Cade at the very top of the list. I mean, Evan Mobley's one, but Cade is two. Um, Jalen Green, absolutely not. Um, you know, you have commitments from Terrence Clark, Jalen Johnson. Scotty Barnes, um, Isaiah Todd, B.J. Boston, Dacian Nix, Walker Kessler. You go down the list, and either they are committed or there is zero – I mean, zero shot that, you know, guys like McCurr Maker, Jalen Suggs, you know, guys that are very obviously not going to Oklahoma State. I mean, you just keep going down, going down that list. And, I mean – Greg Brown's about it, Jack. Yeah. I mean, I mean – I'm really struggling. I mean, it's kind of strange how early a lot of these guys are committing compared to most most years. I mean, I'm now down into the 40s, and there's not a single person. Okay, here's our first one, JT Thor, with even a remote chance on the crystal ball to Oklahoma State. And we've mentioned on the past that we think – I think last week we mentioned that JT Thor, they're the, the strongest rumblings with him right now are uh, that he's going to go overseas. And – if you think of a, a, a guy like Cade Cunningham, who has just winning in his DNA, winning in his blood, he know he has to know that that he's not going to win a national title with JT Thor. I mean, yes, he's a four-star kid, you know, versatile. He's he has talent, but that's not national championship level talent. And if if Cade wants one year in college basketball like he's going to have, why go to a school? where the options are about as limited as you could possibly get in terms of, of Oklahoma State and, and their potential options. I mean, I'm, I'm just I, – I, I'm, I'm still – I'm down into the 80s right now, and, and I'm <laughs> struggling to see, you know, Rondell Walker has 100%, 100% to Oklahoma State, and he's a number 91 overall four-star. I mean, that's not going to win a title with that, – that's not going to win a title at Oklahoma State at all. Well, the I, players I, that want to put around him anyway wouldn't have won a title. They wanted Bryce Thompson – Rondell Walker, um, Mike Miles, and JT Thor. That's just wow. That's that, yeah. that'd be one hell of an NIT team. But I just Cade is a transcendent guard, six foot se- you know six foot six, six foot seven, strong, powerful, athletic. He is the type of guy that can take a normal Sweet Sixteen level team and turn them into a national title contender you know final four national title favorite i mean that is that is how is how good he is he knows that and you know if you're just playing the odds north carolina those numbers are looking crunched he could win a title north carolina with what they're putting together i mean they're they're putting together a solid class but if you i mean if you're just 100 percent reading the tea tea leaves outside of what we know and and kind of the the rumblings on that i mean you just look at it from an outsider's perspective and I just don't see it outside of the brother pool. There is no reason for him to go to Oklahoma State at all. Um, I, I think 
and that's not discounting the, the brother pool because that is the reason that they're even in the conversation right now. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, you bring up a really good point with, with that coach because why, why would he, I mean, I, I just, I'm really struggling with that. And um, the fact that we haven't heard, you know, when, when the North Carolina buzz was so prominent after his leading up to Cade's official visit to North Carolina and then following that momentum died out pretty quickly, and Oklahoma State, it, it kind of switched back to Kentucky and Oklahoma State between those two. The fact that the Kentucky buzz has not died down at all, is it, it's telling. I think that's pretty significant. Um, so we already went longer on, on the Cade topic than we even anticipated, but um, as a quick summary, decision the, the decision is happening sooner rather than later. We still think Kentucky – uh, we will see. We, we will see where this goes. Um, next, the next, the the kind of next biggest bit of information and news that we've gotten over the last several days is the fact that Isaiah Jackson is nearing a decision. Um, you know, he's a five star kid, top twenty five kid in in the class of twenty twenty. Um, you know, very athletic, good defensive instincts type type forward. Uh, he's deciding between Kentucky, Alabama, and Syracuse. There have been multiple reports that, it, that a decision is coming by the early signing period. Mid-November is kind of the the hot, hot timeline um, right now. Corey Evans said either today or yesterday, I can't remember, that a decision could come as early as next week and actually added that he felt Kentucky was the leader going into the Alabama visit this past this past week, and he's he's just now coming off of his Alabama visit. Um, last week, I have to admit, I was not confident in this recruitment at all. Um, I kind of felt out of the loop a little bit outside of the fact that I kind of thought that uh, Kentucky and Alabama were the top two options. So, Travis, I want to start with you. What is the latest you have heard with Isaiah Jackson? And uh, if you had to if you had to give your prediction right now, when, when this decision come, what would you think it would be? I haven't heard anything um, significant uh, in the Isaiah Jackson recruitment here recently. That's been most, mostly David Sisk territory, so I'll let him get to that here in a second. But um, I've always had an Alabama vibe with him. Uh, very well could end up at Kentucky, but gun to my head, I would say Alabama. I think that him and possibly uh, – how you pronounce his first name? Namari Burnett. Yeah. I think that they both end up down there. I think Nate Oates has done a great job recruiting Isaiah Jackson. And I think, I think Kentucky might have a couple guys higher up on the board. I think they would take Isaiah Jackson, but I think that the appeal of going down to Alabama and being the man on a pretty pretty good team that they're assembling man, is going to win out. And, and that's a great point. Nate Oates, I, the, uh, some of the conversations I've had with various coaches and recruits and, and um, you know, assistants, I've heard – incredible things about Nate Oates and and, I mean he is yeah he is a guy that is just winning over recruit after recruit I mean look I mean we're talking about a top 25 kid we're talking to Namari Burnett we're talking about another five-star level kid these guys are wanting to play for Nate Oates at at Alabama I mean he's he is uh not a surefire thing because we're still you know we're still waiting to see how he how he kind of settles in settle his in, in down there but uh, I mean he's very well respected people love him uh, great personality he's he's definitely um, building awesome relationships with these top level guys and and there's a reason that that a lot of these 
five-star kids are wanting to play for him. So, David, Travis made a great point. You uh, have been all over this recruitment in, in terms of talking to guys close to him and and uh, and knowing what's the ins and outs of this recruitment. So what is the latest with Isaiah Jackson? Well, I've been getting a lot of my stuff from uh, – actually from his father, Wes, just about all of it. And and, and uh, <clears throat> been fortunate to build a good relationship with him. And I think one reason – and, and it will kind of go into uh, – um, what we think about his recruitment here. Um, he doesn't want, and I asked him uh, today, I talked to him this morning, and I asked him, um, there's been a lot of buzz about Alabama being a favorite. You just took the visit there and been a lot of, of, of people leaning toward Alabama. Is there anything to that? And that's verbatim how I asked a question. And he said, you know, um, I don't, if it didn't come from my mouth or it didn't come from my son's mouth, he said, don't listen to it. And he's, and, and like I said, I think that's why I've been able to have a, a good relationship with him because in the stories I've done, they've been a Q and a format. So I've not made any assumptions. They've just been, I've asked a question and I put in quotes, just word for word what he said. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's not that you can't read anything into what I would say to, to, you know, make any kind of guess. Um, he, uh, and he even said, he said, you know, I'll have family members, uh, asked, Hey, is it, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. And he said, did you hear it from me? And they'd say, no. And he said, well, don't believe it. And he, he told me, he said, look, he said, all three schools, Syracuse, Alabama, Kentucky, they've all got just three great options. It's a, it's a win-win. No matter. He said, you can't lose in any of those directions. He said that over and over. And he said, we've got some decisions to make now. We're going to sit down and make the decisions. But he said, the thing is now, he said, we've got a full body of work from each school to look at. So everything that we have to, to, to think about uh, and, and to go over, he said, it's at our, it's in our hands now, and, and, and we know what we're looking for. Uh, so uh, he said they're going to sit down and think about it. He said the decision will come, and, and, and I quote, in, in mid-November, and uh, I think we talked about the early signing period starts November 13th, runs maybe I think through the 17th, 18th through there. Uh, maybe off on that, but I know it starts the 13th. So, you know, that, that decision is going to fall right there in that window of, of the early signing period. So what do I take from it? I was probably leaning like everybody else. Well, just you have to of everything you hear about Alabama. But uh, I left that conversation thinking that that's not the case, that it is wide open. So I give Kentucky a much better shot after the conversation than I did before. Now, that doesn't mean I would go out and project them. It just means that, that I, I don't think they're in second place to anybody. I think they're in a neck-and-neck -neck battle. And and, uh, and in talking to uh, Corey, um, he thought that Alabama – excuse me, that, that Kentucky was in a really good shot going into that visit. And we said it's going to depend on what Alabama – uh, was able how they were able to influence him on that visit to see if they changed it. But from talking to him, 
he was a little bit more reserved on them than what I thought he would be from speaking to him several times in the past. I mean, he was, he wasn't, he enjoyed it. He said, you know, they've got, they are dedicated to winning the administrations behind them. Of course he loves Nate Oates, but there just wasn't anything like, boy, it was great. It was such a great visit. It was just the best place we've ever been, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was none of that. It was reserved. So, like I said, when I hung the phone up, I was like, man, you know, Kentucky may have a real shot here. Yeah, that kind of brings up a good point. So you you think that the Alabama noise might be, based on what you what you heard from him specifically, that the Alabama noise might be a little overblown. Where does that leave Syracuse? Because there's been almost, almost no buzz uh, nationally in terms of, of Syracuse's chances and, and – and, the conversations I've had, it's been Kentucky, Alabama, but you kind of take out not that not that I'm saying that you're taking out Alabama, but you're saying that the the reviews weren't as glowing as you might have expected. Do you think that Syracuse might be the kind of the secret dark horse, or do you think this is definitely a uh, battle between the Crimson Tide and the Wildcats? He tells me they've got three. He said we've got three great choices we're going to have to sit down and make a decision between them. So, yes, it definitely makes me think that Syracuse is there. I would in no way say they're out of it. Like I said, going in, if I would have talked to him this morning and I talked to him, uh, I guess, about 10.30 Eastern time, if I would have talked, and it was a 10-minute conversation, if he would have – talked about how great that Alabama visit was, how much they loved it. And and I asked him, the first question I asked him, tell me about the Alabama visit. So I, I, I put it out there where he could talk about it. And like I said, it was reserved. If, it, if he would have just went on and on about it, when I hung the phone up about 1045, there would have been a future cast for Alabama and Isaiah Jackson. But I did not get that take from it. I'm not putting words in his mouth. I just didn't get that take. And like you said, he's talked about all three schools. He said it's wide open. So, uh, I mean, he, 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 he put Syracuse in the same boat that he did Alabama and, and, uh, Kentucky. So like, I, I, I think that, uh, they're going to give all three schools serious consideration. Yeah. I think that's very interesting. I talked to somebody after his official visit to Kentucky, um, that that saw what was going on during the – not part of the Kentucky coaching staff, but somebody that, that was there during the official visit and saw how it was unfolding and said that the, the while they they can they could confirm that a – you know, that the whole talk right now is with silent commitments and all that stuff. They, they could confirm that a commitment did not happen 100%, but that the Kentucky staff felt – pretty darn confident leaving they um i believe their word was giddy uh they said that, that they were feeling pretty giddy about how how things things ended and uh that they felt pretty confident about their chances knew that it would kind of be not a long recruitment but that it wouldn't that it wasn't like the bj boston commitment commitment where the official visit happens on on friday and he commits saturday or sunday and uh, i think cameron fletcher was the same way he that he takes his official visit commits on his official visit so it was a little bit different in that sense, but they left that that official visit feeling pretty darn good about it. I know we mentioned that the staff is always confident and always optimistic, but um, there's there's a difference between thinking that they have a commitment locked up and that they are in decent position with with a guy. And I think they felt that they they felt pretty pretty darn confident about it. So um, 
David, I gave you the platform with, with Isaiah Jackson. Now the next guy that we're talking about is right up Travis's alley. JJ Trainer, 2020 four-star kid out of, uh, out of Bardstown. Um, not the best news for Kentucky fans this week, the fact that uh, he, he announced that he was going to be making a decision this week. So, Travis, tell me what you know about this recruitment and uh, why it may not be the best news for Kentucky fans. Well, first of all, the obvious is he's announcing this week and he does not currently hold an offer from Kentucky. He, Kentucky was enamored by him. They loved his potential, his length, um, his versatility to be a stretch four in the pick and pop. But they wanted to see him play this year, and they wanted him to wait until the spring, and people around him wanted him to wait until the spring as well so the floodgate of offers could possibly come in after, like, after teams see him um, have a more – have a bigger resume of games under his belt, playing at a high level. He's deciding between Louisville and Cincinnati, and I put in a pick for Louisville. So it's going to be – Kentucky is going to uh, – Kentucky fans are going to be seeing him a lot over the next two to four years. Now, Travis, why is it that you think that he was in such a rush to make this decision when he does have – you know, we could confirm that the Kentucky coaching staff was pushing for him to wait till the spring. Those around him, you know, at Bardstown, you know, th- those close to him wanted him to wait until the spring. Why is it that you think that he wants to get this decision over with when, shoot, maybe what if he blows up this th- during his senior year and, and lives up to that high, high ceiling, high potential that he does have as a senior where he could potentially have offers from everywhere in the country, not just the local schools? Well, Louisville is definitely a great school. And definitely a great basketball program, but they also have a black cloud looming over them with the potential, um, the backlash from the scandal, the paying of players and building on to the stripper gate on top of that. They were on probation. Is that the official title? I kind of like that, stripper gate. It's like (laughs) a makeshift, yeah. uh, But anyways, the – I think he's always liked Louisville. The Louisville coaching staff's made him a priority. They're not doing so hot right now recruiting-wise. Um, they have two commits. They're about to have three. But Jay Scrub, I don't think, is ever going to set foot on a college, on a college court. And, Me either. But um, some kids just like to get it out of the way. And a false narrative that's going around is that his basketball coach, Boo Brewer, his high school coach, uh, was pushing him to Louisville. And that was not the case at all. He was, in fact, he's really close with Kenny Payne, and he knows what Kenny Payne could could do for a guy like uh, JJ. So he was enamored with him going to the UK too. Love the thought of the potential of him going there, and he. Um, so yeah, that's been going around on social media. I've seen it a lot today. All uh, his his coach was pushing him to UK. I mean, uh, pushing him to Louisville. That wasn't true. Yeah, I think. That narrative is out there because of the obvious. His dad, Jason Osborne, played at Louisville. Boober played at Louisville. Um, that narrative, and I think when he does commit to Louisville this week, that that narrative is going to be, oh well, Louisville went right in their backyard and they got a kid that that they, they had locked up the whole time. And I would be, I would go as far as to say that if this was a decision that were up to the Bardstown coaching staff and those close to him, I think that. Kentucky would be the winner. I think that that Kenny Payton, uh, that 
Boo Brewer knows what Kenny Payne could do for his game and developing him and, and all that stuff. And and I think that if there if he was going to be pushed to any specific school, I think it would be Kentucky more than more than Louisville. I think that more than anything, this is just a flat out win for the Louisville coaching staff mm-hmm. for developing that relationship with, yeah, with because, the trainer. Because at one point, people were cons- he was a heavy Cincinnati lean at one point. He was a heavy Western Kentucky lean at one point. And then Louisville came in, developed a relationship with him, became really close, made prioritized him, made him feel wanted and needed. And so that set well with him and his family. Yeah, let's just let's get this out of the clear the air right now. This has nothing to do with his dad. This has nothing to do with Boo Brewer. This, this is, has nothing to do. This, this is, is Mac and company being fantastic coaches and recruiters. This is a win for the Louisville coaching staff. And I'm telling you, the the I I talked to some people down at WKU, and they were. They were like, we are go- We know that this is a kid that is going to be flat out incredible by the end, by the spring. They they expected him to have a a blowout senior year where schools are all all across the country are going to come all after him. They wanted to make sure he was locked up now. If it were up to them, he would have been committed weeks ago. They were in love with this game. Cincinnati the same way to a lesser extent. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati prioritized him and said, oh, okay. We could t- kind of tell that Louisville's flirting, Kentucky's flirting, uh, you know, Missouri, some some other some. I think Michigan, even Jawan Howard of Michigan, uh, reached out recently. They're all flirting, so Cincinnati was like, okay, we know that they're they're circling. We got to make sure we get this kid locked up. So yeah, you bring up a great point. Cincinnati thought they had him locked up. Uh, WKU 100% thought they had him locked up. So give this, you know, give. The the Chris Mack and, and the Louisville coaching staff they need to pat themselves on the back. This is a massive win. When this does inevitably happen later this week, trainer, I am very very high on his game. I think that he's not going to be a a big time contributor contributor in, in year one, but he's going to be by the second third year after um, college lifting program, college nutrition program. I think he's going to be a stud, and he's a guy that I'm personally going to be rooting for no matter where he goes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He's a great kid, uh, great people around him that, that love him and, and have have served as, as phenomenal role models for him. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of his game. I will, I will cheer him on. I won't be cheering on Louisville, but I will be cheering – JJ on uh, when he does get get to the college ranks. Um, congratulations to him. I'm 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 happy for him. Um, moving on from him and moving on from the class of 2020 altogether, we got to talk about the fact that Kentucky offered their first sophomore of of the 2022 class, uh, five star power forward, top ten top ten kid, Brandon Huntley Hatfield committed to or didn't commit, but. Earn an offer from from Kentucky. I believe it was his fifth offer overall, maybe fifth or sixth. Um, but you know, the, for this early, Kentucky never offers kids like this. I mean, they they wait until um, at least the spring of their going into their junior year. So I guess the the at the cl- conclusion of their sophomore seasons, that's when Kentucky really starts to circle in and, and go in on guys. So the fact that they decided to prioritize. Uh, this kid right away is fairly significant. Now, Travis, we we talked about this before the podcast. Why don't you tell everybody why this is so significant and uh, why Kentucky probably opted to offer this kid so early? Well, this is this would be the first IMG Academy player that Kentucky has had uh, come into the program since Ramel Bradley, and what was that the '04 class? 
Uh, Some, something like that, I yeah. I think 0405, so. 405 uh, season was uh, freshman year, I believe. Um, it would be the first one since Ramel Bradley. And David might be able to touch on this more. But, well, for one, I've heard that he's a like got a great chance of eventually ending up at Kentucky. And two, he could be reclassified into the 2021 class at some point. That's something that David might be able to touch more on. Oh, on that note with – with what Travis is saying, this is a kid that grew up. So he is a a cousin to Alex Alex Poythers, former Kentucky forward Alex Poythers. He is originally from Clarksville, Tennessee, which was Alex's uh, Alex's hometown as well. Um, he grew up loving Kentucky. Said that he was that Kentucky was his dream school. And yes, I know we've talked about this in the podcast a lot. Kids say that Kentucky is their dream school all the time. They uh, most of the time never end up. At Kentucky, but this is a kid that that could very well change that trend and be a a dream school commit. I mean, he he has been very outspoken about his love for Kentucky. I believe on he created his Twitter account and 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 right away when he wanted to get um, get Twitter follows and and get his his account clout up, he he reached out to Kentucky fans immediately and said, hey. Follow me, tweet me, retweet me. Uh, I, I want Kentucky fans to follow me. This is a kid that is not not shy about his love for Kentucky, and uh, this is a a potential dream school kid that could end up at Kentucky. So, uh, so David, real quickly, what do what do you know about what do you know about Huntley Hatfield, and uh, what do you think about Kentucky's chances? Um, yeah, I um, just by looking at him in the past, I'm sorry, I, I had a I got a text right when you said. Right when you asked a question, and, I, and I'm a horrible, uh, I'm horrible at multitasking. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, just that connection uh, with, with Poitras, you know, um, being related, being at Clarksville. Although he's at, at IMG, um, you know, he's from Clarksville, which is right there on the state line. Ton of Kentucky fans there. Grew up a Kentucky fan, um, so. You know, that, that's obviously I, – I think when you – there's a lot of great players out there in 2022, and I've done like a, just a string of articles in the last two weeks on all the 2022 guys that they, they went and, and visited or guys that, that came in over the two-week period for Big Blue Madness, the blue and white game. And there's been, gosh, eight, nine, ten of them, I guess. But – the reason I think that he got maybe the first offer is because I think you've got to go with guys that make sense. And, you know, it makes total sense that Kentucky, with, with, with his ties, with, with being from there, um, with his attraction to the program, that he would be the first guy that they offer. And I also think, though, that there's a legitimate chance he could go uh, 2000, you know, back to 2021. He was very young. Uh, uh, for that class, and you know, he went back to 2022. But you know, I, I think a lot of people think that he could very well go back to 2021. And if Kentucky, uh, uh, it really, really gets serious, he he and he does what a lot of us think he'll do, and and that is, you know, probably make Kentucky the leader and perhaps, uh, uh, you know, go there. And and John Calipari says, look, you know, we would really like you to, to class up and come out a year early, then, you know, he could do that. So not only are you, are you looking at an obvious guy who, who likes the program, but you're also, you could be basically recruiting the 2021 class, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny that how trends change and all that. Right now, all Kentucky fans are going, okay, yeah, Kentucky's doing phenomenal with, with the guards and, and, and the wings, but – Goodness, they cannot secure a a big man commit to save their life, and you know, obviously, other than Lance Ware, but you know, you you get what I'm saying. And here we are, 2022. The very first kid they offer is a power is a one of the best power. I believe he's the number one power forward in the class of of 2022, and he could potentially be 2021 as well. So you could UK could potentially get him locked up uh, pretty darn early. Maybe that'll switch the trend back to where Kentucky's starting to get their elite big men and and uh, flip that trend. Hopefully that that means they can get elite elite point guards again as well. But uh, yeah, that very very interesting that they decided to offer him today. Uh, moving on from recruiting altogether, um, I believe those are the only really big takeaways over the last week since we last talked. Um, the most significant aspect is that Kentucky has played two organized scrimmages, I guess you could say, um, since since we last talked. So, David, um, l- let's kind of get your initial takeaways with Kentucky's win over Georgetown College and what you think – has, has your mind changed at all on the outlook of the season since then? Or, you know, w- what are you impressed with? What are you hoping to get more out of? What, what are your just overall takeaways so far? Well, it's not changed because, you know, there's there's just a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of variables. There's question marks. And, you know, we, we did some stories. Uh, Travis, you know, he had a, a piece, too, on, on Justin wanted to, to ask everybody involved what they foresaw for the season. And I left myself a lot of wiggle room. I said, uh, you know, I think the way this team's cut out, you know, they're a Sweet 16 team. But if, if things happen um, on some of the key parts to see improvements, then they could work their way up, you know, to a potential Final Four team, at least Elite Eight. And, uh, you know, some of those things I'm really enthused with. I thought Ashton Hagen's shot, you know, he's knocked down five threes in those two uh, exhibitions. His shot looks much better. You know, I, I, and I really don't look at the competition when you're shooting a jump shot. Right. What's his form look like? You know, he's, he had good rotation on a ball. He's holding his, uh, 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 holding his follow through. Um, you know, and, and he, he had one situation where a Georgetown player went under the ball screen and he shot it. And as soon as it left his hand is a three pointer. I'm like, that's in. I mean, you yeah. can tell by looking at the stroke. So that was very, very, um, um, encouraging. I think Emmanuel quickly looks like a different player, and I, I, and I could see it in the second half. Coach Calipari went back to some of his plays that he ran last year and was, was running quickly in, in Tyler Hero's row, coming off those pin downs and, and all those uh, baseline screens. Um, so, you know, those guys stepping up, and I think you put them in with Maxi, you know, and that's, an, that's a, a special backcourt. Um, but, but then in the front court, we want to see more from from uh, EJ Montgomery, and and we knew that we'd have to see more from Richards, and that front court would really have to improve over last year for for them to have a shot to go very deep. And uh, you know, Richards, he gets that first possession, he he gets down on a block, he shoots that little right hand jump hook, and uh, you're like, all right, that looked good. And yeah, that, that was that was a jump hook that would make make Kareem look happy. That, that, would, oh, yeah. that would put a grin on Kareem's face. 
<laughs> it reminded me of Patrick Ewing with the Knicks yeah. when he used to catch the ball out in a little short corner a little bit and kind of face up and, 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 and just find his spot in the middle of the lane and shoot that little running hook, yep. which is kind of like what Nick did. But, but then he, you know, but then the next play on defense, he gets hurt. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and I made the point, you know, I, I, I kind of said on, on, on talking about after the game that it was a shame because I really think Calipari was going to say in the second, early in the second half, Hey, we're going to go probably four or five possessions in a row and give you the ball. And I'm going to see what you can do down there. And, and so I think we all wanted to see. So hopefully we'll have the chance Friday. Uh, but, you know, you look at E.J. Montgomery, and, and I think that was kind of a discouraging part. Uh, because, you know, we missed a layup in transition. A guy cut in front of him, but it's still a, a layup he should make every time. And then he had some point-blank bunny looks around the rim. And I just kind of watched just kind of snapping his follow-through and just letting go of it quickly. It's like – you know, he, he just didn't have confidence in it, you know, enough to hold that follow through that, that he's going to make it. And that's something he's going to have to prove on. And, you know, I, I do think if he gets the ball down there all the time, that he can make some shots. He hit a three-pointer. Yeah, uh, this is his very so, first shot, first half. Yeah, so the post-play, um, like I said, some encouraging things, but not enough to where – to use Vegas terminology, I'm going to make an adjustment on my, on my team. You know, there's just a, you know, there's still a lot of variables out there and, and, you know, you've got that game with Michigan state early. And then basically after that, it's five or six weeks against boot camp. Yep. you know, it gets mid majors. And then you, you, you're going to come out in the middle of December and see what they've got. And, and it may be then mid December, late December before we can kind of start getting some ideas, you know, on, on, what's going to be strengths, what's going to be weaknesses, and exactly how good they could be. Yeah, absolutely. Travis, I need your your best takeaways and, and what what you think you, you need to see, what you are hoping to see out of the team uh, against Kentucky State on, on Friday. The negatives, are, are there, I'll be real quick with them. Um, Khalil Whitney absolute, did absolutely nothing. I'm not going to overreact about it, but if you're on the court for that long and you have – that little amount of stats, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, goose egg across the board. Yeah. Over five and zero everything. Zero rebounds, assists, I steals. Had, I thought he had some rebounds. Didn't he? Zero rebounds. Uh, didn't he? he had one block. That's the only stat he had. Yeah, he's got – like Cal said in the post game, he's got to be able to rebound. If He doesn't have to score, but he has to rebound and defend at a high level if he wants to be on the court. Uh, Johnny Juzang, he's going to miss out on a lot of minutes. I'm still on the hype train, but he's going to miss out on a lot of minutes if he can't defend any better than he showed the other day which I think that'll come better in time but positive takeaways or another negative is EJ I don't want to overreact on this either but EJ looked like I told everybody everybody during the offseason was like oh he's gonna have a PJ Washington type improvement they're two totally different personalities PJ was a complete alpha EJ you he has motor issues. You're not mm-hmm. – PJ never – you had never had issues with his motor. Um, Nate Sestina doesn't have motor issues, but doesn't have the physical gifts that other big men do. But he busts his ass every single play, makes winning plays. He's going to get beat on defense. He's like Reed Travis, not not laterally quick, yeah. um, not going to swat a bunch, of, a bunch of shots, but he's going to – he dove on the floor a few times. Um, and, dude, uh, David was talking about the spin on the ball on the release – 
he has such a pretty jump shot. Mm-hmm. And that pick oh, and roll yeah. and that pick and roll offense, I think you gotta go five out sometimes with him setting the up top ball screen because he can pick and roll, he can pick and pop, and then um whenever he's on the floor you go five out, but the other guys are kinda handicapped with yeah. um EJ and Nick can't do all of the stuff that he can. But positives, Emmanuel quickly looks like he's had a PJ Washington type transformation like Cal, Cal yeah Pace if there's or. if there's one person that had that pj washington it's not ej i think it's he's, i think it's emmanuel emmanuel's looked better than i ever thought he would this season especially this season he thought he might look better than i ever thought he would period at kentucky um ashton Higgins, if if he can i'll tell you what though he's gonna get burnt a couple times on back doors um against michigan state i think cassius winston is gonna draw a couple early fouls on him as well but he's just overly aggressive which sometimes to a fault but it is so much fun watching him play defense, especially <laughs> off ball. Like he's a mad he jumps, man. That's he jumps awesome. the passing lane so easily. Um, who else? Um, Tyrese Maxey. He's gonna be the best player in time. Um, he's not. You're, he hasn't scratched the surface of where he's gonna be at March. I think that. I think you have to go with the three guard lineup. I don't know what you guys think, but I think if it was me right now, and I didn't touch on Keon Brooks, but he looked great as well. Just to sum it up, he looked better than I thought he would this early on. Um, I thought I was always interested to see during these exhibitions and during a uh, blue white game who looked better between uh, Keon and Khalil and right now it's Keon. I think he, I think he's he plays he plays hard. Um, he's still raw. He's still really raw, but he plays hard. And um, what I was gonna say was I think the my five like key parts of the game I think you gotta go with Ashton Higgins, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey. Keon Brooks and Nate Sestina. The only problem with going the three guards and those uh, that four and five, you're giving up a lot on rim protection and rebounding. That's the only yeah. thing. But like, by the way, shout out to David. If uh, you follow him on Twitter on Cats Illustrated, his breakdowns of different. Uh, he does about ten, five to ten a game of different plays that uh, that were made during the game, and he has more basketball knowledge in his toe <laughs> than I do in my whole entire body, but. Um, that's really cool to watch. And if you want to learn the game of basketball and see what UK is really doing in the game with inside the game, um, check him out on Twitter or on Cats Illustrator. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I th- well, one thing I, I know you guys touched on every single player, but my favorite takeaway was the fact that that after Nick Richards went out with his ankle injury, Cal went straight to Keon at the four and – I'm telling you, he looked pretty darn smooth in terms of creating space. And and he ran a little bit of the four at, at, at La Lumiere, but he was definitely a, a traditional three um, for most of the season. So they, they put him at the four this year, and, and some of his post moves, he didn't hit all of them. And I think that's just Russ getting it. But the, the fundamentals were there, and, 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 and just the overall post moves and being able to um, – you know, fadeaway, fadeaway jump shots and, and up and unders. I mean, he was a guy that that showed a lot in that game for for how quiet and quiet his numbers were overall. I think he had eight eight points, two rebounds, uh, a block, a steal, a, an assist. I think he was kind of a um, nothing overly overly impressive, but just a very solid. Um, 
solid stat line from top to bottom. That was really impressive to me. Um, I'm a big Nate Cena guy. He when, when Kentucky needed a gritty bucket, I think that he was a guy that was able to um, you know work his way in the post and kind of be the be the strong physicality type guy that. Um, that they need when Nick is out, especially, and when EJ, for you know, to be if we're being totally honest, is not going to provide that. I mean, EJ, I'm sorry, but um, he the only way he is comfortable scoring right now is out in transition and shoot. He missed that that layup where he should he should have finished on he should have dunked all over that dude to be honest. But uh, working seeing him work in the half court right now is just painful. I mean, he's just just not providing what I think the team needs right now. Nick looked pretty darn good compared to what, what we saw last year. Um, it, you know, obviously this, this injury is a setback, but uh, that's definitely something close to watch. Uh, Johnny Juzang, I think Coach Cal said that he's getting beat up pretty hard in practice. He's not used to that, that level of, of physicality at, from high school. I mean, the dude's supposed to be a senior in high school this year, so he's not used to that level of physicality. It's getting him worn out. He's not getting the, the – the, the comfort of his uh, of his jump shot down because of it, um, you know, Tyrese Maxey, like I think he could be a twenty plus point per game scorer. Ashton Hagens can be a national defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, you get on the list. This is a very very impressive team. I am very excited to see what they do against Michigan State. I know Michigan State has a, has a few pretty pretty significant injuries. Josh Langford's <laughs> going to be out for certain, and there's some other rumblings that another guy is out. I, I, I'm um, missing it off the top of my head. Um, let me see. Who is it? Um, outside of Josh Lang, Kyle Aarons is also expected to be out. Uh, he He's a wing player. So those are going to be two, two fairly significant beats for, for Michigan State. Two, if, Nick, if Nick Richards is out, at least Michigan State is at full health. Um, and, and Kentucky could potentially get through, um, through potentially with a win, given the the balanced out I- injuries for both teams. So um, that's our quick rundown with that. Uh, and that hey, was, Jack, yes, if sir? I could say one thing, and I I don't want to take over the show, but um, one thing you you uh, asked about Friday night and um, what we could see. I'm going to tell you what I would really like to see from this team, and I think it's where John Calipari is going to go, is is some of the defensive breakdowns, Mm -hmm. which I think can be fixed. And it was just a young team with some of the fundamentals. I was watching some of the guys. Like, for example, if I'm guarding you, and let's say you're the point guard, and you pass to the wing and you cut through or you go screen away, I keep my back to the baseline and open up where I can see the man in the ball. And I noticed a lot of those young guys, they would turn their back to the ball and just kind of chase, mm-hmm. and they couldn't provide help. That's an easy thing to take care of. Um, if you're guarding the ball and you make one pass, you jump to the ball so you can't get face cut. I think that's a thing. I think hey, I think they were undisciplined with help. They're so long and rangy. You would see Georgetown guys drive. They didn't necessarily have their man beat. And the help guy would just come up and maul them. Yeah. And and you didn't have to do that. And I think it, it, there's no reason to do that and put them on the line because they have so much length and athleticism that they can help and impact shots. And the last thing is just rebounding. You get out-rebounded by six, with a, you know, with a team that didn't shoot the ball well. They had 16 offensive rebounds. And I noticed that it was like if, if a guy missed a shot, 
you had Sustina did a good job going to the boards. You had too many guys taking for granted that somebody else was going to get the rebound. And then even when they'd get a rebound and get the follow back, it, it, and they'd miss it and they'd get another rebound and another one. They'd end up taking three or four shots. And you look and there'd be a couple of guys standing around watching and you've got one or two guys trying to out-rebound four. So I think that's things that they can take care of. It's not hard to take care of. It has nothing to do with talent. And it, it's just youth. It's inexperience. And yep. that's the things I'm going to watch for from Friday night. I want to see how much better they do defensively and where they're supposed to be and and boxing out and rebounding on a defensive end. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, we, a lot of interesting things to look forward to this Friday when the Wildcats take on Kentucky State um, to close out their exhibition slate before <laughs> taking on Michigan State next Tuesday. Uh, to, get, to get the regular season going. So with that, uh, I believe we, we ran through everything we need to this week. Uh, we, can, we can move on from there. Um, before we wrap this up, where can, fi- where, where can fans find you both on social media and, and uh, where can they find your work, Travis? You can find me on Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Trav underscore Graph. You can listen to my other podcasts. That's all UK sports at CatScanPod with a K, and that's also on Twitter with uh it's at cat scan pod also with a k david uh coach david sisk on twitter and i'm right there with travis on on cats illustrated he's doing a great job it's worth uh you know it's worth a subscription just to to get his breaking news so uh that's where you find me and if you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR, if you're looking to sponsor this show, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me there or via email jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. Uh, and with that, we will be back next week for another jam packed Source to Say podcast, and we will see you then. Let's get it on.